Thank you. Elvis, thank you. Whoa. Um, can everyone hear me at this volume? Can everyone here see me at the volume he's about to talk at? Hello, everybody. Can you hear me all? Thank you. Wonderful. I think that's good. The thing is remaining green. Yeah. It's not going red. It's pretty good. We can make it go red briefly. <laughs> I've been told it's not good if it goes red. Like the whole building might go. Ah! Yeah, there you go. <laughs> did it. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> this is real. We're live. Talking about stuff. Talking about things. Talking about you. Talking about me. It's not a our country. And we are celebrating. It is Canberra. Hello, my name is Henry. Welcome to Canberra, Conversations in the Capital. Today, inside the Thorio offices on Moore Street, I'm joined by co-owner of Bar Beirut, Sumi Tanus. Migrating to Australia from Lebanon, Sumi arrived in Canberra just over a decade ago. Since then, him and his bar have become widely regarded in the city. Sumi's journey has led to adventures all around the world. His ability to connect with people runs parallel with the love he has for his home and adopted countries. It's this zest for life, masterful ability, and consistent respect for all those around him that have earned Sumi deserved accolades and recognition, making him one of the most beloved personalities to represent the nation's capital. Tonight, we get a glimpse into the life of one of Canberra's most well-known bartenders. Sumi, hello. How are you today? Hello, Henry. How are you? I'm very well. I am very well as well. I'm very excited. We are here with a live audience for the first time. Give it up for yourselves one time. (laughs) Very exciting. There it is, the sound of a thousand people. Now, (laughs) Sumi, I got to meet you for the first time last Wednesday Mm -hmm. night. I came around for a drink because I like to meet my guests uh, before we talk. That was a really fun night, for one. For two, I remember you said to me that you open and you close your bar. And your bar closes at like 2 a.m. earliest. It's insane how much time, and it's so commendable how much time you put into the bar. Tell us, it's weird saying tell us, Mm -hmm. it's not just me in the room for one time. Tell (laughs) us uh, the inspiration and the philosophy behind Bar Beirut. Well, before we go to Bar Beirut, we're going to talk about how we started the bar as a Beirut banker bar. Mm -hmm. That's how we started. So formerly, I used to be a bartender in Akiba and Yahava Group. Always wanted to be uh, my own boss, always wanted to open my own place and just work in a very good uh, business that that allowed me to network really fast and met people. They recognize me everywhere I go, call me my name. Decided to go solo and uh, spoke to my wife, Chantel. And I said, I think it's the the right time. I I think I'm ready to just uh, take uh, the journey on my own. And uh, open Beirut Bankaba was literally nothing. It was like maybe 35 to 40 bottles on the shelves. It was just 28 years of age, 27, 28 moved from Lebanon and just w- was nothing financially and being able to uh, touch the savings and uh, buy a bar. And the journey started in Beirut Banka Bar and shut down bushfires, COVID-19, you name it, all this stuff. And that, it was bad at the time, but like that's what made me more determined and more persistent. And uh, this is where the Bar Beirut uh, story and, and the concept was created. So Bar Beirut, yes, it's, uh, we get to meet people 
all colors, everyone just building something and introducing something I grew up with, like, uh, especially when it comes to food, Middle Eastern or Lebanese food, to be honest, but like, it's more like a fusion, mm. what we created. We didn't create something super traditional, Middle Eastern or Lebanese restaurant, which is Lebanese restaurants or Middle Eastern bars are known about a huge um, uh, function space, a lot of food on the tables, a lot of varieties. But what we what we came up with uh, it was uh, actually um, the 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 epic uh, like the epi uh, the epicenter the, the epicenter of like what we're looking forward to to do alongside all the cocktails and the and the drinks offering and the different varieties we have inside Barberwood. That's my baby. I love it. I love, <laughs> love Barberwood. Absolute gorgeous uh, place. Uh, but um, like put us on the on the map. Yeah. Um, it it is a it is a nice homage to Lebanon, correct. which is where you spent your childhood. Correct. Give me, give me some memories from your time in, in, in Lebanon. What do you remember? Because I, I know you were a chef first. I grew up with a, a family that they love to cook. And my mom is a great cook. And I spend a lot of time in the kitchen. I was very curious about um, cooking and smelling and tasting and all the flavors of peppers, condiments, whatever you want to refer back to. And I pursued it and I studied uh, to become a chef. And uh, I believe uh, there's a lot of bartenders in Lebanon back in the days. They were inspired by more like the food scene. And that's what put me in a position where like I'm able to create cocktails and put stuff together. It's all my chefing background. But going back to the background of living in Lebanon, unfortunately, the wars continue still. I believe the, the last war was 2006 mm-hmm. in Lebanon. Yeah. And um, after that, it was the hardest war, the economy. Every single war put you 10 years behind. So you have to really work really hard and you are like uh, like in a wheel running 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 try to catch up to where you used to be but the war put you behind and everybody is already ahead of you so it's uh, it's not a, it's not an easy thing to see um civil wars and uh, like uh, or any any type of war regardless what the what, what the war is just the word is for me is uh, and um yeah and we continue we are very resilient people and i have a great mom and dad that may he rest in peace he passed away and uh, they pushed me to continue this and they said you are good at it you are a very hospitable person you know how to talk a lot of languages that helps a lot because in Lebanon because that cosmopolitan metropolitan place that we rely on a lot of languages to speak to tourists English is your third language third language yes yeah. Arabic first French well, actually, uh, well French is the first word I said we, um, in Lebanon we are a francophone and anglophone so mm. French uh, and English and Arabic are considered as um, official languages of the country the languages helps a lot for me in the in the world of hospitality after being a chef. And this is where, where I jumped to the floor and I worked on the floor um, as, a, as a waiter. And um, from waitering tables and listening to people asking for drinks, orders, this is where the curiosity start created, like asking for classics such as margaritas and espresso martinis and stuff like this. And I would love, to, I, I'm good at selling it, but I would love to be able to make it as well. This is where like, uh, I believe the bartending journey yeah, no, for sure. Because this was all happening, like you said, whilst Lebanon was still at war. Correct. And you were part of the United Nations interim force so for a bit. Th- this is uh, after I, gra- I graduated from university, it was very hard to find jobs. And um, working in UN, UNIFIL, United Nations Interim Forces in Lebanon. And because Lebanon is located between Syria and Israel, and Israel was considered as an enemy for the country. And between two enemy countries, they put peacekeepers, which is United Nations. Yeah. And they require a lot of people with uh, 
uh, who, who are able to communicate on uh, in different languages and uh, to be able to work. And uh, I got a job to work in my hospitality industry using my languages and uh, in United Nations. Oh, and that's so cool. That was, that was like uh, one of the biggest highlights for me to be able to explain the same dish in multiple languages in the same table, in French, in Arabic, in English, you know, and... Uh, were you creating the food for the people? I was, I was, you? I was uh, more like a, the the event manager. Let's okay. say it was more, but I was involved in the food. I was f- choosing the food, choosing the drinks, making sure the bartenders. Like I'm teaching the bartenders, I'm briefing the chefs, and uh, like making sure everybody is like looked after. the The job in the United Nations was to create the country for every army's background. So let's say Australian army. They are in Lebanon. Our job as to entertain the these soldiers is to create a small Australia for them. So Australian food, Australian mm. music, Australian, you know what I mean? And and it goes on, like same to French and Irish and whatever they are. And this is where like the the research about what people eat in their own countries and the, the, the music they listen to and the drinks. The, this is what like uh, it was like a training ground. It was it you. was. It was to, like to the get it a was, sense of so many different cuisines. Correct. My and goodness. This is how it started the the uh, love for getting it bigger and bigger and bigger and keep it growing, growing. It's because of that United Nations job. And it was like one of the dream jobs. Like you can't find a job. You work <laughs> all month. Yeah. Let's say you work 16, 17 hours a day for the whole month to get paid, what, $27 or something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, it's, it's an hourly rate in Australia for the whole month in Lebanon, equivalent. So working in United Nations, getting paid in euros or in American dollars, that foreign currency, it's what really helped a lot for me to be able to continue and learn and look after my family and look after mom and dad, my sisters, my brother, Hmm. big family, you know? Yeah, no, you've brought up the importance of family Mm -hmm. a lot already. Your father has passed, rest in peace to him. Uh, You still have your mother and you still have your siblings still back at Lebanon. Yes. Back at home. Yes, 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 yes. How often do you chat with them? Every day. What kind of conversations do we have? Well, at the moment, if we all know what's going on in Lebanon, I don't know if uh, everybody is uh, very up to date about what's happening. The, the nation is going through the most economic crisis. That's all built up throughout wars back in the days until now. And unfortunately, our corrupt politicians, it's what we talk, we talk about daily based life like how how they live they can can they find bread is there electricity is there petrol like definitely the, the financial aid I'm, I'm the only breadwinner in in lebanon as well even if i'm in australia like that's why i feel like i'm uh, i'm blessed mm. to be able to leave my country and uh, to to be able to provide back to to keep them alive and, and, and keep the dignity you know what i mean like they spend more than 15 hours no electricity. So you have to buy a generator. But you, to buy a generator, you have to buy petrol. But there's no petrol, even if you have money. So it's quite hard, you know what I mean? Like the conversations is like, how are you going? How's your day? How's uh, What's going on? How's the bills getting paid? Uh, you know? Is there a plan to bring them over here at some point? Well, there is a plan to bring them over here. But unfortunately, the way COVID and Australia shut down the borders and the commitment to the business. And as I said before, three kids, I'm a father still, you know, like uh, it was not that very easy for me to make decisions, like to bring people here or just to leave Australia. It was, it was, there was a lot happening, but definitely I'm going to Lebanon and uh, hopefully I'm aiming in January since the passing of my father. I watched his funeral on Zoom. So I, I could, I couldn't leave the country even for a courtesy flight or whatever it was called back then. But again, um, 
this is I'm a happy person, you know, like uh, everything everything uh, uh, is 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 meant to happen for a reason, you know, like uh, people 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 die, another person is born in the same minute. Uh, the same way my parents taught me to believe in life, they taught me to believe in death as well. So we're very optimistic family, and it's all coming through religion and stuff like this. Like we are Christians, you know, like. Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, they teach you that even if the person pass away, they, they still live by you, like you represent them. And uh, yeah, so... I mean, yeah, everything, everything happens for a reason. And for a reason or two, you ended up moving from Lebanon to Australia. I think it was 2014? 2014, I moved 2014. to Australia. What brought you here? Tell the world. I didn't move to Australia because of the war or because I wanted to migrate or anything. I moved to Australia because I fell in love with an Aussie girl. I chased her all the way. He, it was very hard at the beginning to understand that Australia is that far away. Like uh, Lebanon is located, <laughs> Lebanon is located the twenty minutes to Cyprus, uh, a few hours to the States, a few hours to the the UAE, and uh, like when you live in Australia, like twenty hours flight or yeah. your age, you arrive like one year older. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so I moved here because I fell in love with Chantel. Chantel is the love of my life. Everything, everything I've done in my life is my wife. So I'm, I'm, I won't be here sitting with you having this chat without Chantel. It's uh, she's that Australian girl who met that bartender in Beirut, <laughs> just out of nowhere. Yeah. And we look at each other, and I was just blinded. I was like, uh, "Wow, she's awesome." And um, we, we fell in love with each other. Like uh, she chased me back to Lebanon. I could uh, definitely, I couldn't leave the country. I would not be granted visa anyways. Mm. The, the financial situation I was in as a student, I could not be able to travel to Australia to come and see her. But um, she kept coming back. And um, this is what I knew that there is, there's something's gonna happen. I was young, I was 21 probably, Ooh, or yeah. um, 22, something like that. But yeah, since uh, since then, um, we've been together, three kids, business. We work everything together. She's like a, the air I breathe. Yeah. <laughs> You moved to Australia, but you didn't come to Canberra first. No, 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 no. I came to Australia to, well, all right, let me clarify something first. Yes. The media in Australia shows other countries the way they feel like, okay? The okay. same way as in my country, the media, the way it shows Australia, it was like a Vegas for me. It sure, was like sure. a, the, the way I was expecting to arrive to Australia, see nothing but the Opera House and, <laughs> and the Harbour Bridge and there's something called Melbourne. I don't know what that means. <laughs> all right, so that's it. Sydney and Melbourne, that's it, nothing exists. And the capital of Australia is Sydney for yeah. sure, all right? So yeah. this, is, this, is what, like, uh, this is how we grew up, this is what the media show about and men drifting in the middle of the street with no teeth and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and uh, women a little bit um, excited, f flashing uh, stuff. And I was expecting to see that, but when I first arrived to Sydney and I saw how beautiful is that city and uh, I'm like, oh my God, God, where is where is the drifting? Where is the, where, where, where is those cars? Like there's Ferraris and Maseratis, and, and there's wealth, there's beautiful history and gorgeous buildings and beautiful, beautiful city. And uh, and this is where I thought I'm gonna live. And um and until my wife, she said, okay, we're gonna go home now and jumped in the car and <laughs> drove. Wait, 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 hang on. What the <laughs> <laughs> and, where um, where was home initially? So home was. Uh, Leeton, New South Wales. Mm -hmm. It's uh, a small country town in located in Riverina. So I think, I believe, southeast of Sydney, nine hours drive. Nine hours drive from Lebanon. That's, you can go to Kiev, maybe. Like yeah. to, uh, yeah. you, can, <laughs> you can go through a lot of countries. And <laughs> that was the biggest nine hours of my life. I felt like I, 
I, I, could, I hated driving. I hated like there's it's just this one straight line for nine hours. There's no traffic. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing. All I'm seeing is dirt. <laughs> and I was uh, I was a smoker back then, and yeah. like I couldn't smoke in the car, and I I just want to stop for. Uh, I was tired. I was where I'm going. Like I don't I don't know. This is this is I'm still in the same country. <laughs> I, I thought like we are New Zealand or something. <laughs> for for once, and uh, we arrived at this uh, beautiful country town. It was like eight forty five. Nothing open. And I'm coming from Beirut City, very alive, yeah. very live, very like lights, uh, rooftop bars, uh, underground bars, just live, like uh, 24-7 shops. You know, like we all know the life outside the, of Australia. When we go to Europe, we go to Asia. And, like we know, like there's heaps of um, life outside the, our world. And But my job is to discover what's outside my world. And I believe that Australia is uh, my world now. So that was, it was a, it was a great thing uh, to 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 be able to live in an Australian country town as well. Like yeah. this is one of my biggest highlights in Australia that I did not come and as expected to be as a Lebanese person to be resided resided in the western suburbs of Sydney or mm. in, in in the north of Melbourne or whatever is the, is Lebanese located. Do you have any really fond memories of your time in Leeton? I know you called oh. bingo. I, uh, club. My journey in Leeton it was uh, it was just it was rough at the beginning. I could not understand anyone People they're like, "Why do you mate?" And uh, what do you know? What do you know? I'm like, "Ask me." And he's like, "I mean, how are you going?" I'm like, "How what?" <laughs> <laughs> like that's how are you? I'm like, <laughs> so I learned the the Australian proper Australian words. I I met my uh, father-in-law. It was uh, it was it was great. It was a uh, was that the first time you met you, you met your father-in-law? Yeah, th- that was the first time I meet anyone and like related to my wife. Yeah, you know, wow. it was insane. And um, afterwards, like. Uh, Definitely, I needed to find a job. Mm. And unfortunately, because in a country town, there's not much opportunities for me to put all this knowledge and all this uh, research and studies and everything I've done before uh, into a, a country town. So I applied for a job to work in uh, the RSL club. It's called the Leeton Soldiers Club. And this is where like uh, my Australian journey started in uh, working in a bar and in the club. First order was, get out, mate, can I have a lemon lime bitters? And I'm like, that was a solid accent. What's for a second. that mean? Yeah, because yeah, I lived pulled in it off. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah. <laughs> and I said lemon lime bitters, and I'm like, what? What's 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 that even mean? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you just said three words. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm thinking fresh lemon, fresh lime, and bitters. Who drinks such a thing? You know. <laughs> and um and uh, yeah, I ended up making seven hundred fifty thousand of them in the first two weeks. <laughs> They come in jugs. They come in. Oh, my God. Oh, and I learned about meadies and schooners and pints and steins and you name it. I learned about uh, lone bowling, outdoor, indoor. And um, and they, uh, they loved me. Christmas came and I hear somebody saying 22, 10, 15. I'm like, well, what's going on? And I see that lady pressing the button. It's a small, old, tiny, little, old something. You press on top of it like this and it just flips numbers and... <laughs> I approached that girl. I said to Sarah, I said, how can I call the bingo? And she said, do you know how to do it? I said, I'm an expert. I'm like, <laughs> she, said, she said, please, please, I, please. I, I, I don't really want to do it. They forced me to do it. Maybe you can take over. And I'm like, I know nothing. <laughs> so I took over the bingo. I, I made it like my, 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 my only, my nothing. Like the bingo day, it was just people. Yeah, All man. coming. We used to, we, they used to print two, three books. Now we print... Like in, 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 in the 50s and the 60s. Yeah. Every day there is a bingo. I go back home with some crochet, with some with some uh, homemade uh, marmalade, with some. <laughs> and they were like, Sumi, darling, 
we don't have sumi mandarin we have sumo mandarin so here you go <laughs> <laughs> so they used to bring me sumo mandarin because it sounds like my name yeah. and they're so humble so good they taught me they, they taught me um like uh, a lot of stuff for sure like uh, these uh, these ladies and yeah the manager came and shook my hand and he said, You've, you, you're doing great, mate. Everybody loves you. Everybody is waiting for you. They want to do a bingo twice a week now. They want to they expand it and everything. And on the, on the other side, I was just running all the functions, like the balls, everything's happening in the function space and working behind the bar for sure, pouring all these beers like 4.30, you see everyone coming yeah. down. I think it's really cool that you got your first proper insight, not in a big city, but in a small town. Exactly. And yeah. uh, this is what helped me when I came to Canberra. I learned a lot, but I arrived to a point where like, it's time for me to move to a city or I'll go back to Lebanon. And it's, it's, it's funny you say that because I've got a question from the audience. Luke Edwards was asked, why did you wind up in Canberra specifically? Well, Chantel, my wife, she studied in UC mm-hmm. and worked in action buses and worked in AMSA, the Australian oh, Maritime. Oh, yeah, cool. Okay, so she's a... She's a 80s in Canberra, she lived and worked and traveled and came back. So she was using Canberra and Canberra is the closest place for us to visit Riverina, which is to, to be able to visit the family and stay connected with her mom and dad since I'm on my own. Hmm. Moving to Sydney is quite far for us just to be able to come on family gatherings and all uh, like if, if we want to visit if, if somebody like sickness or whatever it is. So And because Chantel lived here. I was expecting that she's going to help me to grow up fast in camera, but uh, I helped her to make friends. <laughs> because I make friends anywhere I go. Like, that's what she says to me. She's like, I can't believe it. Like, like living in Leeton for a year and a half and people lived in Leeton for <laughs> 10, 10 and 15 years. Like the amount of people I know and the amount of people say, <laughs> say hello to me because I'm, I'm, I, I love, I, I, like, I like to be known. I like to say hello to you. I like to smile when you look at me. And especially if you're angry, um, a person working in the sun all day, yeah, building yeah, light rail, yeah. building railways or whatever it's called, and coming to the bar to drink a VB. Regardless how great is VB, but like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I never, I, I always minded my own business uh, like when it comes to um, talking about the the product uh, itself. Like when somebody asked for a Melbourne beer, I was I was like, yeah, sure. I was opening it straight away, putting it in the stubby holder, even if stubby holder, it all agrees. Like it doesn't change. change. Like that's the beauty of living in a country town. That's the point of difference from living in a city. I appreciate the time I spend over there. I'm like very grateful to be able to, as again, not to be resided like where Lebanese are in Australia, which is like, it's, like it's, it's there's nothing wrong with that for sure. You know what I mean? But like to be able to live in a country town with an Australian family, that taught me properly what truly Australia is all about and how big is the country and the potential and what's what's going on behind Sydney and Melbourne and other other um, city places. Okay, so you've arrived in Canberra, we've, we, we've got the journey from Lebanon to Australia. I want the second half to focus mostly on you as a person. Mm-hmm. And you've had so much success, especially very recently, AHA host of the year, an invitation to the Commonwealth Club. Mm. It's good to be recognized, you know, like uh, it's good to be recognized based on the work you do. And like the recent award, like what you just said, like the host of the year in Australia, that's a huge, like for me, person coming, yeah. not Australian, coming to Australia to be awarded such a thing. But the most rewarding is after I won the awards that every single customer coming inside my bar telling me that 
if there's anyone who deserve it, it will be me. So that's, yeah. it's a genuine, it's, they see that I'm a, I'm a hard worker and I look after my buyer, I look after my business, I come to the bar all the time. It's not like, I don't know what's happening. No, I, I, I can't wait for my shift to start. I can't wait to go to work, you know, like I see people coming through the door. If it's a new face, I, I just want to make sure that they know me, they, they, rec- they recognize that uh, they're looked after and I want to know who they are, what they do. Like, I'm very curious about people and... Um, yeah, it's, a, it's it's pretty good. Like working on hospitality, well, what's, what's better than that? Like music mm. and, and alcohol and food and nighttime and meeting people and networking. And, but that all comes with hard work. Like this is all hours spending in one place to make yeah. sure that the job is done properly. And opening a bar is the, the bar 101 is to make sure that like the way I interpret people coming inside my bar as customers, I don't really care about how much money they spend in the bar. I care if they come back. Hmm. If they come back, this is where like I know that they feel safe and they, they are happy to spend their money. And I believe that there's a lot of people in the audience right now, they agree on such a thing, like creating a safe space for everyone to securely come and be safe the way you are. We don't care about the hand you hold, the religion you follow, the political party you, you are, like just insignificant in the world of bartending or being being in a late night um, bartender, like working in a bar. So. I learned a lot to accept. I learned, I accept people and I accept the people the way they are. I accept them in my bar the same way as I accept them on the street and anywhere else. And especially that I am a father, so I have children, so I need to be, I need to lead by example. So I need to show mm. these kids that we're all human. You need to treat people like a human. Don't lose the humanity, like treat people as a human. It doesn't matter who they are, what they do, what they worship, what they, what, what, how they look like. We are no one to judge anyone. And I implement all these words on the hospitality we do. I make sure that the customers will come back. I make sure that everybody has been looked after properly. I make sure that out of all the hundreds of, or, or like thousands of establishments around us, they are choosing us to come. So we need to cherish that time and we need to make them feel safe, right? you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, it's, no, uh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's pretty good. And uh, uh, back to the, like the awards, it's uh, like uh, best cocktail, uh, best cocktail bartender. I'm like, oh, come on. Like, um, uh, you know, like you, you, you have to be good in cocktail making. You can't just um, not make a good classic cocktail. You know, like this is how I interpret this. Being a good hospitality person, you must have good bar basics uh, that you are running on a daily basis. Like acknowledging the people coming through the door, making sure that the drinks are worth the money you are charging for. And uh, we, all, we all know this stuff. And that's, that's, that's like a very um, sacred in Bar Beirut, so we make sure that you're looked after. Yeah, I mean, let's let's chat about that, the food and the drink. What is your favorite dish and what is your favorite drink currently on the menu? Oh, that's a hard one. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll say, out of, uh, <laughs> I think one of the audience, <laughs> I, I believe that um, I'll say Beirut Express. Beirut Express is a cocktail created by myself for sure. And it represents all the flavors of the Middle East in one drink. It's a tequila based cocktail. It's like a margarita on a steroid. You know what I mean? <laughs> like uh, it's a big boozy, big punch of alcohol. Absolute gorgeous. But the good thing about it that it pairs with the Middle Eastern cuisine, with the Middle Eastern food. Back to our food menu. The hardest part in our food menu is to choose a favorite dish because Again, Lebanese cuisine is too diverse, like huge. Um, we have a breakfast menu and lunch menu and, and dinner menu, not in Bar Beirut, in Lebanon. So to be able to create one menu that from here, a little bit from here, a little bit from here, and put it all together, 
I'm a, I'm a seafood lover. I I believe that uh, our seafood offering, like whether it's the our signature oysters or the kingfish tartare or um, our uh, charred octopus, I believe they, they they could be my pick. You have way more. You have way more seafood than I thought you did. Like, oh, yeah. you, you, just, you just named three different seafood dishes. Yeah, so I was yeah, like, yeah. what? Two, two, two there? Um, um, yes, the the charred the charred octopus. It's like I believe it's one of my favorite and yeah. uh, so beautiful. Like, but that's this is me personally. But again, no, I'm not saying like I do love the dips. I do. I do love the hummus for sure. I'm Lebanese. Um, is it homemade? <laughs> yeah, everything is made from yeah. scratch. Even our baba ghanoush is made from scratch. Ooh. We get the the eggplant. We we cook it. We char it. I was so lucky to meet a lot of um, passionate and uh, professional employees uh, who became my coworkers and my friends throughout this uh, Canberra journey in hospitality, uh, meeting one of uh, my friends. He's a chef who created my menu, Struan Preston. Mm-hmm. Um, Struan, he's like, a, has nothing to do with my world or where I come from. He's a Scottish bloke who just came and sat down with me and my wife and in the middle of COVID-19 and we tested a few food bought from Sydney in a takeaway. Oh. Um, and uh, we did a few um, bits and pieces in Canberra. We tried a few local Middle Eastern and Mediterranean cuisine yeah. just to, understand, to make him understand the flavors and the notes and like the 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 the, the stuff we were looking for uh, to, to create the menu. And I knew he was he was coming, he's gonna come up with something extremely, absolutely delicious. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it, there's a lot happening on the menu. I can't pick one no, fair enough. unfortunately I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna make you choose but remember it's a, it's, a, it's a bar menu so it's not a restaurant um like where you you are you but you, there's a lot of everything so it's just a tiny it feels little like one though right like it's exactly in a good way in a good way let's peel back the curtain a bit more then what is your favorite drink and what is your favorite dish that isn't on the menu do you have anything hidden away um, that you really enjoy my favorite drink definitely is champagne. Um, yep. I'm a champagne lover. I like. Uh, you showed my, me your champagne I, collection last I, week. I love I love champagne a lot, yeah. and um, and that comes from uh, definitely from a wine drinker. So I love Chardonnay. I love uh, Pinot Meunier or Pinot Noir. So this is my pick when I go out to to drink. Um, big bold heavy flavored wine and uh, stuff like this uh, related to this uh, category mm. of wines. I like them. They are to my liking, but like they're not my favorite. Sure. So I believe uh, favorite thing to drink at the moment is uh, champagne yep. and the favorite dish will be coming. anything Japanese. Yeah, same, <laughs> same. Look at that. We are a massive Japanese uh, cuisine lovers, even if I'm from the Middle East, but even in Lebanon, we used to go out and have Middle Eastern cuisine, even my children, my wife, we all agree that Japanese cuisine is our pick when it comes to what we can eat or what, what to eat. Or like we always, we always, ref- we always go back to eat the same food, <laughs> like not the same food, like same cuisine. Yeah. Recommend me some nice restaurants or bars in Canberra that isn't your own to go to. Bars? I'll say Volstead, Volstead Repeal. Um, one of the most gorgeous whiskey place I entered recently. For a friend of mine, Stu, as well, he's in the industry for a long time, and we met a long time ago, and um, Gus and uh, Paul and all, all this stuff for sure, I, um, we are, uh, like, we, we know each other throughout the industry. And um, a restaurant, uh, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of restaurants <laughs> I recommend, but I think uh, Kajawa in, in Dixon. Mm. The Japanese. Yeah. This is uh, something uh, it's been always ticking every single box for me and the kids, the wife, the, the friends, we always go there. It's uh, the beautiful sake range, absolute gorgeous food, uh, um, very authentic Japanese inspired. But there's a, there's a lot of favorite restaurants in Canberra. But, uh, it's, it's good food. It is good great food. food. Yeah. Great food. Do you have any tips for 
food making or drink making for people that may be either aspiring to, to get into hospitality, aspiring to be better bartenders or better chefs, or even just wanting to cook or make drinks better at home? Do you have any tips to get them, get them there? I'll, I'll give you the tips I've been working on. Like, it's all about flavors and it's all about balance, consistency. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, overdoing something, it's not going to make it better. Mm. Adding more alcohol to something is not going to make it better. You know what I mean? And, um, like, bartenders, what I would say, I'll say, like, to inspire, I'll say just keep it authentic, utilize small element cocktails, not big element cocktails. Three, four element cocktails are like the best cocktails in the world that are made from three elements, utilizing multiple processes to deliver one drink. You know, I mean, yeah. like uh, that's uh, that's that's not a like, that's not the thing I'll go for. And um, for for food, um, the chefs, I I believe that they need to understand that small bars they have a bigger potential than larger. They can grow. They can make a name of themselves. They can get to create and put on a menu and try. And and if they fail, it's it's okay because mm. it's. Um, the wastage is not that extreme or like uh, they had, there's always a potential to learn and to grow in a, in a, in small small places like what we can see now all most of our hatted um restaurants the, the latest ones they are not that huge you know what i mean like that, not that big restaurants in town in canberra winning That's big it. time in australia and um yeah it's uh, always remember that you're working with alcohol and always remember that you're working with food like when you remember that alcohol is just it's there. Every time you use it, it's gonna like the more you use it, the, the more it's gonna get boozier. <laughs> the food, yeah. the food, the more you cook it, the more it's gonna get overcooked. And like there's a, there's a lot happening in this uh, between those two departments. When it comes to chefs and when it comes to to bartenders, like there's a lot happening, and mm. especially at this time of the industry. Unfortunately, you see a lot of people um, trying to shine by delivering a great cocktail, but like. Uh, overdoing something like uh, adding something to it or um utilizing a, a a new way of infusing something through things like keep it simple keep it nice keep it keep it always always do something that you think that you will eat on a daily basis or you will drink don't serve something you think that uh, like it's it's not up for standards your standards like if you if you don't drink that drink don't serve it if mm. it's not your favorite don't don't give it away <laughs> because that's like it's not gonna people are not gonna come back for that that's it and what about your future? Looking ahead, Sumi, well, what does what does twenty twenty three have in store? I've been in, I've been in industry for only three years, so yeah. uh, <laughs> so um, uh, three years, two bars, um, and three years, unfortunately, because of the pandemic. But like uh, in the future, where well, we are in the process to launch number two, we have a second place happening soon. There's not much for me to tell you about it at this stage because it's still in the in the making. Do you um, have a name yet? Like, we don't have a name, no. um, unfortunately. Untitled bar um, number two. But we don't have a name because because the, the space we took, which is right above our uh, current place in Garima Place, it's just quite odd to fit in sure, things like this. Sure. And But because everybody is expecting to for, for, for me to deliver something very niche, like the way I've done in Bar Beirut, and this is where like the challenge is like to be put that concept we we are creating right now in that small space above us. Yeah, future. I will end up on the beach somewhere in Australia, <laughs> on the coast, after I stop working uh, every single day of the week. But I will say that because I'm a person who will work every day of the week and I will not stop and I love it. And even if I'm sick or I'm not feeling very comfortable or I'm not doing well like uh, physically um i just i i find i find that being in a bar talking to customers making sure that everybody's looked after is like my what keeps me sane and puts me in in a great position 
Yeah. And no more children, for sure. <laughs> Three is enough. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully in the future we, we, will, uh, we will get to see um, a little bit uh, something different um, in other states, probably. We will see how it goes. We are in the process to launch again in Canberra. We love Canberra. Canberra has been great for us at the moment. Beautiful community. Um, after the Beirut, the Beirut explosion, the Canberra community, the love they showed for my country and mm. by them coming to purchase those t-shirts with the name Beirut um, on them and just put that $50, which is we, we donated to the um, the Red Cross or whatever is the person who received it. Because there, there's a lot of like small NGOs and heaps of people collecting money just to help all these people after the Beirut explosion, which has happened um, recently, like in the last two years. That's why I'm stuck to Canberra. You know, like I love it. It's there's nothing for me uh, that that I don't really like. I made I made friends that became family, mm-hmm. and uh, the acquaintances became best friends. And like it, it, we're always on a move, and we love to see the 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 Canberra community in growth in development. We can see what's happening to our city. It's it's becoming better, more beautiful, yeah. and there's a massive growth in it. Like uh, Canberra is held is holding really well economically for um, hospitality speaking. No, absolutely. I've got a question here from a member of the audience. Is the new bar, do you know if it's going to be connected no. to the old one? No. No? The new bar is going to be separate and different name, different concept. Oh, okay. Um, it's going to be more looking after camera art people. It's going to be more like a cabaret hmm. um, uh, inspired place that operates on uh, weekends and private functions, private events. It has nothing to do with Bar Beirut, so it's going to be something very like uh, everybody is excited to. That sounds I, I believe people, a lot of people, they've been listening to to me talking about what's happening because they believe that I'm expanding Bar Beirut to make it bigger and putting upstairs. But I don't think, logistically speaking, I don't think that would work. There's a, it has to be something different. It'll be its it has own to be, thing. Yes. Yeah, but hey, with the host of the year at the helm, I expect, <laughs> I expect amazing, I expect amazing from it. Uh, Finally, Suvi. The floor is yours. Are there any final things you'd like to say to those listening in the crowd and those who will be listening to this episode eventually when it goes out? Well, I want to thank you first for giving me the chance to um, and, and, and sit down and have a chat to you. This conversation for me is like a, more like a chat than actually um, recorded and like going to be advertised or something like this. It's just like I love the genuinity of this sitting. And thank you, everybody who attended today, like my friends over there in the corner and uh, every single new face. I just met today. Thank you so much. And I want to thank a huge thank you to Elvis who put us together mm. and provided this space for us. And a huge thank you to City Renewal, Canberra City Renewal for allowing us to be here talking in a, such a beautiful space. I can't believe what you did, Elvis. Congra- the, the congratulations. And thank you so much for that. That was absolutely gorgeous. Other than that, what what I want to say? No, nothing, man. Hopefully, no more lockdowns. Hopefully, no, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, no more uh, no more uh, negativity in the, in the Barra. And like we love it. We we want Canberra to be more prosper. We we want more people to come and live here. And we have great universities. We have great potential for people to make money and to learn and to stay and and, and to study and to research. The nightlife scene at the moment, unfortunately, you can see that it's a little bit up and down. But I believe Canberra has always been. Like, like this, especially towards summer. There's a lot of outdoor events. There's a lot of gatherings that are happening, which is great to see what's happening. Canberra is beautiful. We love it. Uh, it's, it's a short period of time to, to do everything we ever want. We can, we can remain in our sports, winter sports, summer sports. And this is what keeps me going. This is what, what makes me 
want to invest again and go and take another journey and expand the business and make something different, make something new. Because I can see the potential. I can see that there is growth. I can see that introducing a new brand or a separate something to camera mm. in a, a hospitality background uh, that that will add on top of what we have. I love everyone. I have no enemies. <laughs> <laughs> I respect everybody. I I uh, I learned I learned from everybody in Cambridge. So you remember I the way I came and the way the way I I studied and I keep learning on a daily basis and I keep meeting people and I keep expanding my network to make it better and better for a brighter future. It's all about community. Correct. About respect, about love. 100%. Sumi, I want to thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you, it's really, been lovely. You. I want to thank the live audience one time as well. It's been lots of fun. Give it up for yourselves one time. <laughs> Still a thousand people. <laughs> folks, my, my, my name is Henry, and from the Thorio offices on Moore Street, This has been Canberra, Conversations in the Capital. Stay safe, be kind, and we'll see you all very soon.